Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For Hijaz, halal home loans and investments with Hijaz. Australia versus Pakistan on SEN Test Cricket. And a late slip. He gets down low, hooks it over the top of everybody and tweaked he rose back into the stands. He was almost on his knees when he played that hook shot. You'll get to Sydney though, I don't think there's any doubt about that now. The two gullies back for Warner on 98. Jamal round the wicket to him, and Warner, short ball down towards deep third, gets himself a boundary. David Warner leaps with glee. And what a brilliant way to start his final lap around the country. All the theatrics were conditioned to. You saw what it was? The nice little quiet shush. Anyone who wants to write stories about me and, you know, trying to use headlines, get headlines, that, that stuff doesn't bother me. It's just the fact that I have to go out there, do what I have to do, and I'm allowed to celebrate how I want. Given the opportunity to retire from Test cricket on his terms, David Warner set about making the very most of it. We'll have his long-term teammate Steve Smith with us before play. Bowling to Kawaja, Kawaja, top edge on the pool, does it carry over slip, running back with the flight and it's dropped. Gadja! Oh, he's going to be out here! Oh. He's not out! It's gone straight through the fingers and out to the rope for four! Bowl to Warner, who, oh, he's not been stumped, and now they'll get an overthrow. Oh, two slips, Smith is edging and he's taken! There it is, his first test wicket, Shazad. And it's a beauty. Bowling to Travis Head, who cuts the first ball of a new spell straight to third man, and he is out. A couple of chances been dropped. If we could have grabbed them, we could have been on the top of the game, but we are still, I believe, uh, we are still in the game. For half of the opening day, Pakistan looked every bit of team that hasn't won a test in Australia for nearly three decades. But with late wickets, their inexperienced attack did enough to stop it turning into a complete disaster. There has to be someone that says yes or no to whether Usman Kawaja can put his personal views on his cricket attire while representing Australia. What I've written in my shoes isn't political. I'm not taking sides. If me saying all lives are equal has resulted in people being offended, to the point where they're calling me up and telling me off. Well, isn't that the bigger problem? After 48 hours of headlines dominated by the debate surrounding Usman Khawaja's Middle East plea, we have Cricket Australia boss Dick Hockley joining us ahead of the first ball. This is SEN Test Cricket. Live across Australia and around the world, welcome to SEN Test Cricket. Good morning and welcome to SEN Test Cricket, live from Perth Stadium for Host Plus and for Henley Homes, build with confidence. 
Day one, win the toss, bat first, bat big. It's always been the Australian game plan at home and probably always will be. For a decent slab of yesterday, it felt like they were on track for a two for 400 type of day. Three wickets in the final session made that five for 346 by the close, but that's more than enough of a base to put Pakistan under real pressure today. That's unless the visitors can really make the most of their second new ball, make early inroads, then finish the job well inside a session. David Warner missed the chance for a double ton when holing out for 164, but it was he who enjoyed the best of the opening exchanges in this series. It's now over to hometown boy Mitchell Marsh and wicketkeeper Alex Carey, who could do with a score to start his international summer to make the, to make the most of the foundation that's been laid. I'm Adam Collins, and with me to begin our coverage on day two, our experts for Bundaberg Ginger Beer, Simon Kadich and Damien Fleming. Cat, um, Dan Bredig's piece in the Ace today started by saying that's why they didn't drop him. And I think that kind of sums up a lot of the coverage around the country. We saw from David Warner yesterday why he's been a mainstay of this side for more than a decade. Hello. Good morning, Colo, Flem, and all our li- viewers, our listeners, listeners, I should say. <laughs> um, yeah, in terms of David Warner yesterday, I mean... I think the Australian selectors knew they made this decision a long time ago, earlier in 2023. And I think they made a decision based on the fact that his record in Australia is so strong, averaged over 58 in his career. And I think that's the thing with David Warner. He knows these conditions inside out. And the sign for me yesterday came in the first session where he got down, back knee collapsed, but he cover drove Shazad beautifully from around the wicket. And he held his pose for about five seconds And that was the sort of sign that he was in a dominant sort of mood and still at the top of his game, given what he did in the World Cup. He made a lot of runs for Australia in the World Cup in what was a fantastic victory. And that set the tone for what was... He was at his belligerent best yesterday. And Mm. and some of those shots yesterday were absolutely audacious. Obviously, the one off of Freedia that went down fine leg for six. And then the one late in the day where he was getting bumped by Jamal. Yes, he got out a couple of balls later, but he's basically scooped it straight over the keeper for six. Um, and, and to get 164 when you're under that sort of pressure and scrutiny speaks volumes for his character and his ability to just be able to distance himself from all of the chaos that's going on around him. So, Flem, as I welcome you for the first time today, there was the, the conventional and then there was the unorthodox. That It was almost typified by that ramp, wasn't it, that Warner, who started his test career with all the white ball credentials going, uh, and no one really knew whether it would work and translate through. Well, it's like he's come full circle now, isn't it, that he's playing his white ball shots on his final uh, test tour for Australia. Yeah, I mean, he's been dominant in all three formats, and and he brings it all um, into test match cricket, which is such a bonus. But the the innings that identified that Warner was going to make it opening was actually in his second test match. He got 100 in a green seamer down at Hobart. Um, which I think we'd lost. And, you know, a T20 slogging opener could not have made that 100. He showed that he had a good technique. He read the game situation really well. He read the pitch. And I think overall, in Dan's article, you know, comparing him to Saywag, and he didn't compare him to Chris Gale, but I do. Um, They're the type of batsmen um, that just demoralise the opposition. Demoralise them in the first session of day one. Like... Tens of times, hasn't it? All these hundreds. They Within a session, the opposition are going, we're in trouble here. And what he also does is he raises the morale of his teammates, mm. knowing that we've, we've got a, game, a guy that's just going to set up the game in the first session. And, that, you know, they're a dime a dozen 
um, you know, and to have it as an opener is very, very unique. You know, Gilly did it at number seven. Um, Basball's trying to do it all the way through. Tra- oh, we're seeing Travis Head do it at five. But, um, you know, Gail Saywag and Warner um, ha- have changed the way that we view openers. Like now we want an opener who can, one opener at least, that can that can play that role, strike rate of 75-80. Yeah, it did feel appropriate yesterday that, that Warner, in terms of test runs, overtook both Saywag and Viv Richards. I mean, he's got a better test strike rate than Viv Richards. He's got more, uh, what is it now? He's got the highest strike rate. For anyone who's made as many test runs as him, which yeah, and we kind of we sort of compared up. him to Matthew Hayden. It yeah. was funny to see Haydos' strike rate was only sixty. Yeah, because Haydos said his bet best was the same. He demoralised the opposition, didn't he? But um, at twenty runs per hour slower. Also, you know that was a fantastic hundred because um, most of the other Aussies struggled. No one went on to get a big score, so it wasn't like he got a soft hundred and fifty where Australia were two for 400 and the other batsmen cash in. They, they didn't. So um, at times, I, I was really um, I was really proud of the Pakistan team, actually. At lunch, I just thought this is just going to fall apart so quickly. But at post-lunch, they, you know, they had a crack. Um, the guys on, you know, when they got the ball in the right areas, they looked like they, they could get wickets. So, you know, Warner was tested after lunch and he didn't throw it away. Do you think there's this is the time where Australia are fully appreciating David Warner? I know that, he, that there's his long gestation period, right? He announced in June this would be it for him, but um, doing as he did yesterday on Australian run run making charts, he overtook Hayden, the aforementioned, and Michael Clark yesterday. He's now into uh, fifth spot behind Ponting, Border, Steve War, Steve Smith, and then and then Warner now slots in at five. I mean, that, they are greats of Australian cricket, cat, and and he'll, his place in history is secure, isn't it? Oh, no doubt. I think the hard part with all of this in this discussion, I think this is why there has been so much conjecture, is because of his chequered past. And that's, the, that's where that comes into it. And it comes into the debate. And I think that's came into the debate with Mitchell Johnson's comments. And it's come into the debate in the past with what happened in Cape Town. And even prior to that with yeah. Joe Root in the past in Birmingham. So that's the tricky part in all of this but in terms of what he has done on the field you can't fault that in across all three formats he's been a king of of all three formats the question with his test numbers is probably is he a great because he hasn't been able to get a test 100 in india and in england mm. and that's probably always going to be a question mark on his test career but in all three when you package them all up together I think he has to be considered probably our greatest all-format opener across all three because the greats of the past, Ponting and Hayden and these guys that have sat above him, and he's obviously gone past Hayden yesterday in terms of test runs, they didn't play the volume of T20 cricket. No doubt they would have been because the greats adapt to all formats, but he's probably that first player for Australia that's that's dominated all three mm. in the, that tough opening role. Yeah, and runs in the, in the one-day World Cup that, that was... Uh Secured recently, he's indicated that he wants to keep playing white ball cricket for Australia. And look, um, given the way he's innovating at the moment, that might be a sign to selectors that he's not done. Um, he's got another reinvention left in him. Who, who's to know? And uh, even the crowd yesterday, 12 months ago, when we, we spoke about Perth and coming here and there was all the negative energy around Pat Cummins' team. Every run that Warner made yesterday, I felt, was being uh, cheered on by 16,500 people. It didn't feel like all the controversy no. that built up to the first test match bled into the crowd at all. No, 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 it didn't. But, um, yeah, it's interesting just rating. It's hard to rate, isn't it? Like, I always rate players where they're very strong um, all around the world. You know, often 
players just dominate at home and they're, and they're okay away. I think Alan Border was very good everywhere. Mm. Um, Glenn McGrath was very good everywhere. But some of the greats I played, um, you know, Shane Warne, Ricky Ponting, Adam Gilchrist, they, they had at least one country where they battled. Um, but with Warner, oh, you'd know more than me, Caddo, but you talk to the modern-day um, player, you know, it, it's the mental adjustment to the formats that, that, that's really tough. So if your output is still very high in all three, gee, I rate you so high. The other part of yesterday, of course, was always going to be his celebration upon reaching 100. Mitch put it into our uh, our. I missed our it. What, what, what did he get up to? <laughs> <laughs> his words were, as he said in the press conference, you saw what it was. It was a nice, quiet little shush, and, and like that's prompted um, any number of headlines. I think the, the Sydney Telegraph uh, Mitch slap was what they had on their back page, which... Um, and a big photo of Mitchell Johnson. Um, oh, look, you know, Warner has always been the kind of person that says what he reckons, and, uh, uh, and, and it's to be expected that he would use that platform last night. But you touched on it before, Kat. I, I don't think he cares about the popularity contest anymore. That might have been the case earlier in his career, um, but he is at peace with the fact that a lot of Australians will never really cop him. Yeah, and look, that's the thing. He can't take back what's happened, but... He's had, he's had to move forward from it, and he's done that. And one thing he has done is he's kept his mouth shut and he's got on with the job. Yep. And basically, he's let his bat do the talking. And that's all you can ask, and he did that yesterday. You know, He's basically cemented when he finishes in Sydney on the back of yesterday now, and, and he's done it with skill yesterday. Yes, it was an inexperienced attack, but you've still got to go out there and make the runs. And the way he went about it yesterday, we can talk about where the Pakistani bowlers bowled, and they yes, they didn't hit good lengths all the time but there were times yesterday where he was just one step ahead of them with his footwork and sussing out when they were going fuller when they were going shorter and he'd be one step ahead of the play and ready for a cut shot or ready for a drive and and that's the art of great batting is being ahead of the game and that's what Adam Gilchrist we saw at first hand Flem that's why he was so good in his career like it was like he knew where the bowler was going to bowl before it was bowled and that's what I saw yesterday in David Warner's innings I think an underrated athlete as well um, I wouldn't say he's the best or the greatest, but he's up there. No one's ran harder between the wickets throughout his whole career. No one chases the ball harder to the outfield than him. And just even that, that semi-final World Cup recently, him and Marnus mm. at cover and mid-off just changed the momentum or, or set a tone Um for the poor South African batsman, you're going to have to hit it two metres either way to get past us. And you don't know how confidence-building that is as a bowler. That If I just bowl you know, the right lines and, and get my length right, um, they're going to have to take such a big risk because our, our fielders are on. And, and he's part of that. It's a great point. That's when you know, you're meant to be declining physically at age 37, but you're right, in the World Cup, he was as and good as And his last ever. 200s are big. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe... You know, your eyes and your techniques start to go a bit in your mid-30s. but what I've and, and you make more scores under 10. But what I've loved is, well, when he has got going, you know, we got the 200 last year and now now 160. You know, that, that's a good attribute to have. Yeah, it's the pressure he applies to, a, to an opposing side in all facets of the game. And, and his strike rate's always been part of that conversation. We touched on it yesterday, but I wonder how yesterday's performance will inform the selectors' decision they have coming for the uh, Brisbane and Adelaide Test matches later this summer. I mean, we might get a, a good example coming up this morning. Mitchell Marsh, who has been floated as a potential 
replacement or a rejigged batting order where Marsh might open. He certainly has done a good job opening in the white ball formats for Australia over the last couple of years, Cat. But against the second new ball, and Pakistan, to be fair, bowled quite well with it last night. If they can keep that up this morning, Marsh against that's not for nothing. Yeah, that, and that's the challenge this morning. And it will be a good challenge for Mitch Marsh. I think, you know, there's been a number of different messaging coming out from the players themselves. Obviously, Labuschagne sort of, or, or I think Usman spoke on behalf of him saying that, you know, he's a number three, he doesn't really want to open. And then Smith's obviously done so well at four and Head wants to stay at five because they've been so good in that engine room. And even Mitch came out the other day saying, no, he's in this team to bat at six. So whether he would prefer to stay there, it's, it sounds like that. But then you hear Andrew McDonald's comments and he said, well, you know, in the past, the Australian team has picked the best six batsmen and a few guys have shuffled into positions that, you know, they haven't done necessarily in their first class career. And I mean, having spoken, I can speak on that from experience, having opened for Australia when I <laughs> never did it at first class level, it can be done. And, it, and really... All so what was is, the adjustment, Kato? It's just a mindset adjustment. Mm. And I actually found it suited because I'd batted right so much at three for WA or New South Wales back in the day that getting out there straight away was better for me at that stage of my career because you don't waste nervous energy sitting to wait around batting at five or six or wherever you're batting. And that's where I think someone like Cameron Green will be best suited to bat higher in the order. Yes, he's, his best cricket for WA has been at four in first-class cricket. He's got a strong average there. I think he's a better player than the other three openers that they're talking about. Uh, technically and also with their, if you compare their first-class records and even their test records, plus he adds the, the bonus of he's a gun in the gully or a gun catcher, plus he can bowl 140 k's an hour. So I think, like, and if you want a soft landing, the West Indies is a soft landing because they're obviously struggling in test cricket at the moment and that's the chance to be able to put someone at the top of the order to allow them to find their feet to then build for the tougher challenges down the track. So just to be clear, you'd opt for the sort of Andrew McDonald, pick your best six batsmen, yeah. including Green, and, and maybe have Mar shuffle up to the top. I agree, because your best batsmen, they adjust. The game dictates the role you play anyway. I know opening is different to batting down the order, but, you know, Marnus batting at three, one day might be in the second over, one day might be in the 30th over. So you, you have to adjust your batting according to the game situation. And I think Cameron Green can do that, opening the batting. Adam Gilchrist put a scenario. What happens if Green gets runs opening and Marsh fails con constantly? What do you do? Well, this is the whole conundrum when, when you do have someone get injured. And I think, look, to be fair to Cameron Green, I think his Ashes preparation suffered because of him going to the IPL. And Definitely. I think that's a great learning for the hierarchy and himself for his long-term development to realise that, you know, you can't just walk into English conditions and pick up from where you left off when you haven't played red ball cricket for months and you've been bashing a white ball in India in totally different conditions. So it's a great learning for all of them. And he, as a result, because he had a great series in India. Let's not forget, he got 100, 100. there in a tough series. Yep. And, and he looks a test player to me. So I think I th he's technically very good, Yeah, and he, um, Cam Green. Sometimes he's not sure of his off stump. But we were talking off air. It's tough in Australia because Australia tend to dominate if it's not India, um, England and... Well, sorry, dominate England, South Africa to a degree. So often the number six and seven, Kerry's been um, hurt by it. Um, they're coming in and, and you've got to throw your bat. Um, so it hurts your average. Pressure gets on because of your scores. But, the, you know, the, it doesn't, it's not hurting the team because the top order's in such a dominant position. Um, 
uh, you know, and and it's interesting, you know, what, what would it be like, and you can prepare for it, you know, just walking out, knowing that you're going to bat and you're going to open. I, I think he's in the definitely in the top six bats in Australia. It's going to be intriguing, Colo, because the other three, you know, Bancroft, Harris and Renshaw are not going to get any games besides Big Bash um, for two of them to, to, to prove themselves. And, and surely it won't come down to that. Well, the other part of this in the discussion is, you know, Mitch Marsh is now in the team. He's, he's batted well in the back end of the Ashes. But he hasn't been able to prove his durability over a long period of time in stringing no. lots of test series together. And that's a byproduct of the size of him. You don't get nicknamed the Bison for no reason. But they, they want to be able to protect the three big quicks because they're obviously been so crucial to this team having success. And that's where the all-rounder role has been able to allow that to happen. And Cameron Green... You he's know, got to bowl more overs. Yeah, and he's still only young. He's only developing. He's only 24, so he's still got big upside. So that's the way I see it with him. Yeah, so if Marsh can get through the, the new ball this morning and make the most of it, that'll be fun. And he can you know, show he can bat at that higher tempo to, to partner with Kawaja. And we know Kawaja's going to be there, right? There's no, no scenario where he retires any time soon. The other man out there this morning, and I note um, looking at a, a photo of, of the pitch, and I know you guys have been out there this morning, that uh, it should play, uh, I'd imagine, Cat, as it did yesterday. No, no major shift from what you've seen? Yeah, it might have lightened up fractionally in colour after a day in the sun yesterday, yeah. but it wasn't overly hot. Right. Um, what will be interesting is just the pace of it today because generally a day two wicket, it quickens up. If there was any sort of moisture in it yesterday, that normally has been baked out of it. It will have had another roll. And generally day two, you see wickets speed up a bit and then as the test goes on, it will start to slow down a bit. So it be interesting to see, you know, we saw some good bounce yesterday at times you saw a little bit of seam movement what will be interesting is the if, is there any extra sort of pace this morning with that second new ball our ground and weather conditions for rainbird leaders in irrigation for over 90 years it's 25 degrees right now perfect day for batting barely a cloud in the sky every day cat in your hometown or your former hometown is a, a perfect day for batting and that's how alex carey will want it to be as well um that's the you know four years ago um Australia only lost about eight wickets for the whole series against Pakistan and they, they didn't need their lower middle order. And at one point yesterday, I must admit, I did ponder, will Kerry bat at all in this series? But he, he is required today. They do need to put in a, a bit of a shift uh, against the second Newey. And um, this could present a great opportunity for Kerry to get himself into the summer flame. Oh, definitely. Uh, significant innings here. You know, the Aussies want to get up well over 450. They'd, they'd like 500. So there's no declaration pressure on Mitch or Alex Carey today. Um, and I said last night, you know, when he is going at test level, he looks a class player. Mm. You know, technically really good. And he's got those long levers. Um, you know, since the Bearstow incident, his numbers are down. And the only way you start to dispel the rumours is just with pure runs. Um, and there's no reason today in, in hot conditions, a pitch that's going to come on even even more. Um, you know, that avenue of apprehension is still going to be quite small for these Pakistan bowlers, particularly the smaller ones. Um, they'll get rewarded if they hit it, but if they don't, um, the batsmen are going to be able to cash in um, quick outfield. So great conditions, but I'm also, on the other hand, you know, interested to see how Pakistan come out. You know, they were really good after lunch yesterday, uh, Afridi will be a real threat. You know, he got better with each spell. Um, so, you know, this, this first half an hour, it, it should be on and, and we'll know how much Pakistan's on with their intensity. And, and Kurum Shazad before the close of play um, last night, Flem, as we uh, build towards our first break, he was, uh, he was spot on in those last couple of overs. Oh, I just thought he, he was actually their best bowler. Yeah. You know, um, 
Afridi bowled some good overs, um, but I thought the youngster on debut, uh, even though he only got one wicket, you know, he had three or four LB shouts. He had more play and misses. And, and I noticed, I thought he just pushed the ball into the righties. He's got an outie. Mm. He's got an innie to the lefty. So, yeah, no, I liked it. Good on him. There's something there. Thank you, Flem. Thank you, Kat, our experts for Bundaberg Ginger Beer.